Pass First Point Guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. The Blazers are 3-1 in their Orlando restart after beating the Denver Nuggets on Thursday evening, their second straight win after they beat the Rockets earlier this week. And as you may have guessed, that's what we're going to talk about today. Today's show is going to be a mixture of what we've learned so far in the bubble, kind of what we know after four games, and then where the Blazers stand. We'll kind of close up uh, in the third segment talking about what are what is everything going on around them that isn't that isn't the Blazers, what do, what dudes in other jerseys are doing. But let's start here with what we know, what what I am certain of after watching the Blazers four game, play four games in the bubble. One, the Blazers are not fooling around. I was going to use another F word there, but maybe you want to share this with your kids. Or maybe gratuitous swearing is just uh, generally inappropriate, but the Blazers are not fooling around. They're not, they're not fooling around. Here's how I know they're not fooling around. Against the Houston Rockets on Tuesday evening, they deployed a relatively gimmicky 1-3-1 zone to slow down James Harden. That is not the mark of a team fooling around. And what I mean by that is they, they this was a game plan, opponent-specific, personnel-specific plan to beat the Rockets. Now, the Rockets are unique and weird. They play so small. Um, their centers are Jeff Green and P.J. Tucker, except in reverse order, P.J. Tucker and Jeff Green. And the Blazers were committed to running this, not all the time, they, they did it not even on a majority of possessions, uh, but 35-40% of possessions, they showed this 1-3-1 kind of slow trapping zone. It wasn't a hard trap on James Harden, it was kind of a slow walking trap on James Harden to get him to get rid of the ball. I didn't love it, I didn't think it was that effective, I think the Rockets missed a bunch of open shots in that game, but the Blazers won, and it was it was a good win. And they stuck to their guns. They stuck to they stuck to what their strengths are. They played a a matchup specific style, and they stayed big the whole time and tried to punish the Rockets by being big. Their offense stalled a little bit, but for the most part, they bullied the Rockets by being big, and they won a game, a crucial win over a team in Houston that has looked really good down in Orlando. That's how I know they aren't fooling around. The other reason I know they aren't fooling around is because Damian Lord just had forty five points to beat the shorthanded Denver Nuggets. Now, the Nuggets played a game without Jamal Murray, without Gary Harris, without Will Barton. None of those dudes have played in Orlando yet. Wasn't a surprise. I didn't anticipate they would play. I thought that the Nuggets, um, you know, they're trying to be healthy for the playoffs. They're not trying to win any of these games. But Paul Millsap also sat out. And then when uh, after three quarters, Nikola Jokic didn't get back in the game. Monty Morris, who started at point guard because the Nuggets have like zero guards. He didn't come back in the game. They're keeping them healthy. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., who played really well, he didn't play after the three-minute mark in the fourth quarter. The The Nuggets, were if they were going to win this game, they're going to win it with their bench. But here's how I know the Blazers aren't fooling around because Damian Lillard came out and had 14 in the first quarter, finished the game with 45, set the tone early, hit six threes in the first half. Now, this was another game where the Blazers showed their flaws. They didn't defend particularly well. They gave up not a, a, a ton of easy buckets, but they gave they couldn't stop 
Denver. Um, I don't think this was like sort of their classic where they just can't guard the three point line. They just couldn't. They just couldn't keep Denver. They couldn't keep hustle plays from Mason Plumlee out of the paint. They couldn't. They had trouble slowing down Michael Porter Jr., which a lot of guys, a lot of teams, I should say, have have had trouble with in the, the restart. Their defense just wasn't very good. They couldn't ever pull away from a team that was playing a bunch of G leaguers. With all due respect to PJ, PJ Dozier and Kata Bates Diop, those dudes know where they played this year, and it wasn't the NBA. But regardless of the quality of competition that closed out the game for the Denver Nuggets, the Blazers took care of business. This is a team that is not fooling around. They are here to win games. And this there wasn't some matchup-specific stuff tonight. This wasn't this heavy sort of postseason-style game plan against the Denver Nuggets, but it was a night when Damian Lillard, the Blazers' best player, set the tone. If C.J. McCollum has a normal shooting night, he was very bad on offense tonight, the Blazers probably win this one going away. But instead, they didn't, and the Blazers still found a way to win pretty comfortably after the three-minute mark in the fourth quarter when Gary Trent Jr. hit his sixth of seven threes. Gary Trent Jr. is still balling. He also is not fooling around. But after Trent hit that big three with three minutes left, the game was over. The Blazers pushed it back up to 10. Uh, I don't know if coasted is the right word if you were played a close game for 45 minutes. But they it, it didn't come it didn't come down to crazy crunch time or the foul game or anything like that. They they wanna they took care of business against a lesser team. That's how I know they're not fooling around. A quick moment on Gary Trent Jr. before we get to the second segment. Speaking of dudes not fooling around. Gary Trent Jr. has gone from the story of the bubble. I think after the first two games I said on here that what in sort of a another what we learned type of episode, what we knew, uh, was that Gary Trent Jr. was legit. And he's probably been better since I recorded that podcast. He's probably he's probably had his two better games. Uh, he was maybe his best game was that opening game against Memphis, but he was really good again against Houston. Um, just a fearlessness dude dresses like, um, Guy Fieri at Paris fashion week. He's incredibly fun. He screams at himself on the court, like talks to himself on the court to get hyped up, which is incredibly fun in an empty gym. And he just makes every shot he takes through four games. He's 22 of 35 from three. That's 63% for those of you scoring at home. He is a plus 54. And now I think plus minus is a little, a little bit wonky, but through four games, the Blazers have outscored opponents by 54 points when Gary Trent Jr. is on the court. That includes a loss and a five point overtime win. He's balling. He is the, if, if this segment is about people not fooling around, Damian Lillard set the tone. And Gary Trent Jr. saw what the Blazers captain was doing and said, oh, yeah, 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 I get it. We're not fooling around. Through four games, the Blazers look a little flawed, but most importantly, they look for real. They look tough. They obviously have issues, but they look tough. They look like a team that's not fooling around and not to be fooled around with. What I want to talk about in the second segment are some concerns I have with this team, some some of their obvious flaws that I just mentioned, and other little odds and ends that I liked. It's a proof, more proof that they aren't fooling around. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about rockauto.com. You've heard me talk about rockauto.com before. You know that they're a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. And you know you can go to their website, rockauto.com, and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. You know that. You also know that they got everything you need, like engine control modules and brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. You name it, they got it. 
And everything you want from rockauto.com is just a few easy clicks away with their easy-to-use, remarkably easy-to-navigate, and unique online catalog. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specifications, and the prices you prefer. And best of all, at rockauto.com, the prices are always reliably low and they're the same for professionals as for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Don't do that. Instead, go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck. And please, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know I sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right. So we know the Blazers aren't fooling around. We talked about it at length in the first segment. Dame's not fooling around. Dude hit 11 three-pointers against the Denver Nuggets, matching his career high. And while he didn't shoot particularly well against the Houston Rockets, the Blazers grinded out a win, thanks in large part because he was making plays. Feeding feeding Nurk, feeding Zach, feeding Hassan Whiteside, who had his best game against Houston. Terry Stotts even mentioned it when I asked him tonight after the Denver Nuggets game was... not that he, you know, he, he, the way that Dame plays doesn't necessarily surprise him anymore, but it's the thing that he's come to appreciate is that even when he doesn't have 45 points, when he has 21 against the Rockets, that his leadership in the huddle, his, his focus, his demeanor, and what he demands out of his teammates never changes. He sets the tone. We are not fooling around. So as long as we're talking about the Blazers fooling around, let's talk about Terry Stotts. He's not fooling around either. He has not he has not shied away from a very short rotation, a very tight rotation. He's basically playing six guys and then a little bit of Hassan Whiteside and then maybe an eighth guy here and there. Against the Boston Celtics on Sunday, he only played second seven guys in the second half. Against the Houston Rockets on Tuesday... One of the instances of Terry Stotts not fooling around is that he went with Anthony Simons. Mario Vazonia had a really nice opening half in the bubble in Orlando. I said I wasn't going to say the bubble, y'all, and I, I can't. Everyone else says bubble. I can't get away from it. But in, in at Disney, Vazonia's first half against the Memphis Grizzlies was really, really solid. He didn't have a terrible second half against Memphis, but he wasn't great. And then he was really bad in his, Memf- in his um, minutes against the Boston Celtics. Terry Stotts, not fooling around. No more Hazonia. He has not played since that Celtics game. He has not played since the first half of the Celtics game. That would be five consecutive halves. Or if you like quarters, ten of those. In his place, it's been Amphrey Simons, who hasn't looked particularly good, but it is proof that Stotts is not fooling around because if he knows that it's going to be short for whoever the eighth person is, so if it wasn't going to be Hazonia, if Hazonia was struggling, it was time to give Anthony Simons a look. Those two dudes are the, are the only guys in the running, uh, really, for that spot. I don't think Nazir Little and Wynne and Gabriel are, are serious considerations. So it's uh, that's what it's going to be. Just as long as we're scoring at home, as long as we are, I, I promise when the games count, I'll look at box scores. So just for the sake of looking at box scores, Simons has played 32 minutes across his two games that he's played. Uh, he's two for six from the floor, one of three from three, one assist, no turnovers. He 
his plus minus is good because he was on the court for like the right time against the against the Rockets. He played like just like a random couple minutes, uh, and the Blazers, I, I believe, outscored the Rockets by nine in the, in the first half when he was on the court in his first shift in in the in Orlando. So as long as we're looking at a stat that I don't think is particularly meaningful, then uh, let's shout out Anthony Simons plus fourteen in in Orlando to start. I don't think he's been particularly good. He hasn't been terrible. Uh, he had some bad defensive moments against against the Nuggets, but that willingness by Stotts to say Mario's not it. I think Anthony Simons is a better matchup, and not expand the rotation to nine to say eight dudes and 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 really a still a very tight rotation proves to you um, this is this is him not fooling around. They are I. I, we kind of talked about this, or I talked about this, and you listened more accurately uh, heading into the the seeding games. Was that Stotts was going to keep it tight? Uh, I thought he was going to be. I thought it was going to be eight guys with Simons. It turns out that it's basically seven dudes with Simons or Hazonia. But it's um, it's it's just proof that that the Blazers know how razor thin the margin for error is, and that even when basically playing every other day for two weeks to make the playoffs, and then along. Well, maybe not long, but a challenging playoffs postseason first round. Uh, they know that you just, you just, you know, you you get what you get out of your guys. You you play Damon CJ forty five minutes a night and see what you have. You play Nurk as much as you can and see what you have. You win the game with your best players on the court. Speaking of best players on the court, one guy that I'm a little bit concerned about in Orlando is. Zach Collins, um, it's he hasn't been super bad. I'm not like that's that's not what I'm trying to suggest, and I'm not sure that, um, like I thought he played really well uh, against Boston. I thought he had some moments where he was really effective against the Rockets, but I think there's just been some some little things. I think he's trying to he just doesn't have a rhythm quite on offense. It's almost like he hasn't played a game since October. And unlike Nurk, who gets just like a steady, steady, steady diet of pick and rolls and gets a ton of touches, Zach is more of a is more of a spacing type. Even when Hassan's in the game and he's playing next to Hassan, Zach Collins is is more he's setting he's the guy who pops when they set two screens. He's the guy who spaces so Hassan or Nurk can set that screen. Um, and I'm not saying like he needs more touches because they desperately need to get him involved, but I think that lack of touches have maybe caused him to be uh, some of his decision making be poor. I think a couple times maybe four that I can think of uh, where he's he's caught it in the block and just determined to go up and shoot when when he doesn't have to. I think he's rushed a couple three pointers. He's been fine. I don't think he's been I don't think he's been a negative by any means, and he's had some really nice moments where he reminds you of how special he is. But of all the sort of fun comeback news with Nurk. Um, Collins has not been as sharp in his return. He's also just not as good of a player. Um, so, the, you know, like the ceiling isn't as high. But for me, I think I think Zach Collins has a really he, he's got some good moments in him that he hasn't showed us yet. Um, he's a he's he's a complimentary part in this with this group. So you got to get in where you fit in. But I think he's I think he's capable of, you know, maybe not a big scoring night, but some some nights where you really feel his impact defensively. So maybe something to watch coming down the line as the Blazers play their next couple games against the Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. Let's come back in the third segment. Speaking of other teams in the NBA, I want to talk about where the Blazers stand. There are seven teams battling for one spot in the West. And while some are sputtering, the Blazers are not the only team in Orlando that is, as I have said many times so far in this episode, not fooling around. Still a pass first point guard. 
still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked On Blazers. Still talking about the Blazers' three and one start at Disney World. And after spending the first two segments discussing what we know, what we've learned, maybe what I've learned, you may have learned different things than me, but what I've learned, now it's time to shift gears a little bit and talk about where the Blazers stand. The nuts and bolts of where the Blazers stand is one half game behind the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies yet to win in Orlando. Oh, and four. Winless. In addition to being winless, they, before the restart started, they lost Justice Winslow, uh, the forward they traded Andre Iguodala for to a hip injury. And then since then, Jaron Jackson Jr. tore his meniscus and is going to miss the remainder of the restart, remainder of the postseason or whatever, irregular season, as I called it. The Grizzlies are in a free fall. They were already looking a little rough. You know, they lost their op- they lost their opening two games when they were fully healthy. They lost an cr- incredibly crucial overtime game to the Blazers that was basically a toss-up. And now they find themselves just a half game ahead of the Blazers. I really didn't think this was going to happen. I thought the Grizzlies were very likely to go something like 4-4 four and four or 3-5 and five and, and just hold on to 8th by virtue of having that 3.5 game cushion. But losing to the Blazers and... and not finding a way to win after that. They've lost a couple other close games to San Antonio and a relatively close game against the Utah Jazz. But now the Grizzlies find themselves in a scramble mode and 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 from my view here, very unlikely to hold on to the eighth seed. And it's not just because the Blazers. Only one team in the Orlando restart is undefeated. And it's the team that I made fun of this podcast for even getting invited. This was like my own inside joke that I kept making fun of the Phoenix Suns? This is why I need a co-host, someone to tell me, hey, maybe the Suns will start 4-0 and Devin Booker will be the best player at Disney. And they'll all of a sudden find themselves in 10th place, a game and a half behind the Blazers and with a very legitimate shot to make the playoffs. And right behind them will be the San Antonio Spurs who are 2-2, start out 2-0. The two teams that I made the most consistent fun of before these restart games happened of course of course phoenix is 4-0 and devin booker looks awesome they're right behind the blazers a game and a half back tied with the san antonio spurs like i said who won their first two games and then lost their next two uh and then those teams the teams that we thought that i thought maybe you didn't again i need a co-host i need someone to tell me that i'm wrong or maybe you agreed with me and you're wrong too i hope that's that's how it works out welcome to the boat we were wrong Speaking of boats, let's just stay with that metaphor. The ship be sinking. The New Orleans Pelicans, one win. One, count them, one win in Orlando. Some of the beef there is that Zion Williamson, who left for a family emergency and then came back, and maybe the league created special rules for Zion Williamson to get him back on the court quickly, but who, you know who didn't care about the special rules specifically was the Pelicans, who are maybe prioritizing the long-term health of their franchise star and the long-term success of their franchise over making the playoffs in this particular season, much to the chagrin of the good folks at ESPN and Turner, but... Uh, Zion Williamson only played 15 minutes a night in the first couple games, kind of complained about it publicly. They've been slowly ramping up his minutes, and when he's played a little bit more, he's looked good. Like, statistically, he's looked good. There's some people who say that he doesn't look physically good. There was um, a pretty strange article in The Athletic today talking about how obviously kind of 
physically unsound Zion Williamson is. I don't recommend you read that story. I'm a big fan of The Athletic, but that particular one was super bizarre to me. But there are there is a lot of speculation out there sort of about people um, from the Dr. Seusses of the world who are out there saying Zion Williamson is obviously not right. But even if he's even if they're wrong, even if Dr. Seuss and his um, other Internet doctors are incorrect, uh, the the Pelicans aren't right. They can't guard anyone. They're just giving up a kajillion points and they only have one win in Orlando. The Sacramento Kings. Here's what you should never do, dear listener. Never believe in the Kings. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. We're talking 15 years of suck in Sacramento. And I'd kind of talked myself into saying like, you know, they started to figure it out. Um, Personally, I am a big fan of De'Aaron Fox. I wanted to be a believer, but Marvin Bagley got hurt again. Uh, They just, they just, they're just a mess. They won today, a big important win for the Sacramento Kings, get their first win in Orlando, but both them and the Pelicans, even with all their problems, still two games back of the Portland Trailblazers and two and a half games back of the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm kind of counting the Blazers in eighth, which might be a mistake. So why I want to run through the standings is not just to give you a sense of where everything's at, give you kind of set the stage if you're listening to this prior to the Blazers game against the uh, LA Clippers on Saturday morning or Saturday evening. If you're listening somewhere else in the world, shout out to all my Australian listeners. But the Blazers have looked good. They're three and one. They damn near are four and zero. Oh. Uh, I guess you could say they're damn near two and two, or damn near one and three, because they definitely could have lost to Houston or or Memphis. But let's just say they're three and one, damn near nothing. They are three and one, and even and then they they seem to have momentum on their side. You know, half game out of eighth, and if you're an eighth, you have such a you have it's such an advantage because if you're an eighth and there's a playing game, the team in ninth has to beat you twice, and you only have to win one once. You only have to win one of two games in in a play-in. That's just it's such a significant advantage when you assume that two teams are relatively evenly matched if they if they end up there in the standings. So the Blazers have a great shot, but even with how well they've played, and even with how things have kind of broke their way with Sacramento and New Orleans sputtering, they still only have a game and a half lead. They still haven't got eighth place, and, with, and halfway through their their bubble schedule, their Disney schedule, I can't avoid bubble, I'm just going to have to say it, halfway through their schedule in Orlando, it, it's not clear exactly to me who, who, when you're watching each day, who you want to win, who you want to lose. I think you still want Memphis to always lose at this point, because for now, you want the Blazers to get into eighth and then and then re, recalibrate, but for as good as the Blazers have looked, and for as, the way they've just taken care of business, finding a getting a really, really nice win against the Rockets. I don't know if I've been as clear about that as I should have been. That was a really good win. The best they've played in Orlando was that game against Houston. And getting sort of just a find-a-way-to-do-it win against a shorthanded Nuggets team. All good news. You're 3-1. and one. You're, you're right where you want to be. I said that five or six wins. They look like a team that could win six games if um, if they get a couple more teams resting their players particularly. They look like a team that could win six games. And even then, no guarantees because the, the, the already crowded race is still very crowded just with new, new parts. The Blazers aren't fooling around, but... Uh, the Suns and Spurs aren't fooling around either just yet. That's going to do it for today's show. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers will be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.